Hi, I'm Kelsey Burley, and I'm an IVF warrior and infertility advocate, using my platform to spread awareness about infertility. And I'm Elizabeth King. I'm a certified fertility coach, life coach, bereavement doula, and new parent educator. I'm here to support and serve the tribe throughout their journey from conception to bring your new baby home and everything along the way. Welcome to the Pretty Little Tribe podcast. Where we talk about the dreams and dilemmas of life, fertility, motherhood, and everything in between. We hope you enjoy this episode. Please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. Welcome to the Pretty Little Tribe podcast. We are here this morning with Joanne Wetzel. She is a money and mindset coach, and she is here to help us figure out how to save for IVF, which I know is a topic on so many of your guys' minds. So um, Kelsey, if you want to jump in on any of that before Joanne gets started. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you, Joanne. Um, One of my most frequent questions asked is how do you save money for IVF? I mean, 20 to $25,000 around is just so crazy. I know a lot of people who just, it's either like a house or IVF or, you know, some big expense like that. So I'm so excited to have you on and share some tips for everybody. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for having me. Um, It's really interesting because a lot of the money beliefs that I coach people on are things like, I can't afford that. We can't do that. We have to choose either or, or either and, you know what I mean? It's like one or the other. Yeah. It can't be IVF and the house, or it can't be right. traveling and IVF. And so we uh-huh. kind of first have to like pause for a second. And obviously IVF is very emotional. You know, there's a lot, there's not only is money emotional, but then trying to have a baby is emotional. Mm-hmm. So there's all these emotions attached to that and all the stress and anxiety But I think we just pause for a moment and say, instead of, I can't afford this, say, how can we afford this? How can we make this happen? How, you know, what opportunities to make money or to save money haven't we explored yet? And I think, and I always talk about just like leading from a more empowered place versus a fearful place. That's great. Thank you. I love just kind of reframing the simple statements, right? There's, there is so much power and freedom in that and just switching around a couple words, right? Yeah. And that's, and that's really, and that's really what it is. But sometimes I think we just get so caught up in like, you know, how are we going to make this happen? How are we going to do this? And it just feels really stressful that we just need to take a deep breath and understand that like anything that we want to achieve in our lives, whether it's saving for IVF or any other major financial goal, it can happen as long as we look for the possibilities and the opportunities versus just shutting down and thinking we can never do this. That's a very defeatist place to come from, you know? Right. Yes. Definitely. So why don't you jump in and teach us what you know about (laughs) saving for something? Yes, I would absolutely. So I have a lot, I have my notes pulled up. So if I, (laughs) if I'm like talking too long, just like interject any questions or any, you know, insights that you guys also want to share. But I think the first most important thing is that, well, obviously, you know, you got to look at your insurance and you need to see if your, your insurance covers any parts of IVF. I know for a lot of people, it does not. But I had a friend who actually just went through IVF and their, um, their treatments were covered partially through insurance. So before you start doing anything of the things that I'm going to talk about today, kind of get started there. Now, obviously, yeah. if you don't have insurance or your insurance doesn't cover it, you want to kind of go into some of the things that I'm going to talk about. Yeah, and uh, I will mention too, sorry, Joanne, that a lot of states have different coverage as well. 
So yeah. you really want to contact, you know, your specific people in your state to see um, what's covered there. So for example, I have my insurance is Blue Cross of Massachusetts, but I live in California. And so it's a little bit complicated like that. So if any of you guys have that type of situation, do your due diligence and kind of dig a little deeper because sometimes, you know, when you ask, you're able to get things that you don't expect to. So, and, and that's simply like where it starts with your insurance is like just asking questions because obviously it's, it may not be your field of expertise. You're in, you don't know all of your insurance ins and outs, but that's obviously their job So just simply ask questions. And I think that you can field and get a lot of information and answers uh, that way. So yeah. So really the first thing that you want to do, and I'm going to say this and people are probably going to be like, oh, I don't want to do that is to look at your budget. Because <laughs> yeah. um, I know the budget can be kind of like that, like really restrictive, complicated, not so fun thing to look at. But that's really the first place like where we're able to find a lot of money that we can throw towards IVF. So recommendations for that would be things like where can you reduce spending? Like where are you overspending? Um, you know, are there spending categories within your budget that you could remove altogether right now, at least temporarily while you are paying and saving for IVF. So think about like your daily Starbucks and your weekly trip to TJ Maxx and your daily. I was going to say, yes, I haven't even had my nails done in so long. Like, <laughs> exactly, it's like little those, things like that. Right. And those things really add up every single month, right? Like we think, oh, it's just $5 here, $10 here. But if you actually go through your budget and you look at it, you're like, wow, I just spent $400 on Starbucks last month. That's a huge chunk of change that you can start applying towards saving for IVF. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And go do, ahead. Do you recommend a specific budget to use like a, an app or is it just a spreadsheet or anywhere that you would recommend to like I'm not like a stickler for like a specific, I, I do a zero based budget, which simply just means that you tell your dollars, like your money that you make every month, where to go and what you want them to do. So, you know, through savings or paying off debt or through your expenses, but really, and again, not everybody is really into budgeting. So even if you just have a simple budget that outlines what you have coming in every month and what you have going out, you can get a simple broad view at like what's happening with your finances and where things are going every month instead of like looking up at the end of the month and thinking, well, gosh, like we're in the, we're in the negative or in the red or we're overspending or yeah. how are we having to pull from savings and those kinds of things. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, so that's really the first part is to look at the budget. The other really cool thing, and this is something that we did when we were paying off debt, which is working towards a huge finance, financial goal. And that was, we really started to like bundle different services and insurances. So for instance, if you've had the same insurance company for a really long time and you have multiple vehicles or, you know, just multiple, um, like your home insurance, as well as your car insurance, and maybe insurance on some like other things that you might have, you know, see if you could bundle those with a different company and see if you can save money doing that. We actually were able to save like $200 a month by, do, by switching to a different company because we had the same company for like a decade and we never even yeah. questioned. Yeah, we never even questioned like, oh yeah, this is what we're paying. That's um, so idea. that's really good. Insurances have come a long way. And then of course you could also do something like bundling your cable, your internet, your cell phone. Like a lot of the cell phone companies now offer those other services. Um, and AT&T was actually at our house recently and they're like, oh, we can give you all these services for this monthly rate. Now, if we had cable, that would be great. Um, but you, I, we would have been able to save so much money if we had all, we were utilizing all those services. So that's another thing that you can look at as well. Mm -hmm. Great idea. Great. 
Yeah. Um, and so moving forward next, I really talk about like kind of selling everything that you possibly can. And I know this like kind of seems, um, I don't know, almost common sense and almost simple and easy, but truly, truly, if you're not using something, you haven't used it in six months, could you sell it? I mean, I'm thinking I like, never think you... of that, but that's so true. And, and oh, the majority have... of us have a lot of things that we could sell, right? Yeah. Like oh, for sure, you know, handbags, kitchen gadgets, um, electronics that we're not using, uh, furniture that we're not using, like anything that you could get, get rid of that you just don't use that. Um, yeah, it's in a spare bedroom that just is, again, not getting used. Like all of those things definitely add up. And it's something that like we could replace in the future. But in order to meet this goal, if you want to get really serious and intense to save for IVF, like look around and think about what could I sell right now? Like what could I get rid of? That's awesome. Now I'm going to be like thinking about everything that I see in my house. Not that I'm doing IVF, <laughs> but like just because, you know, it's also a way to declutter and get rid of unwanted like weight, so to speak. I yeah. I've totally done that. So I love that tip. Yeah. Yeah. It feels really good. And then you're like, yeah. man, now I've got all this extra money coming in. This is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so along with, with selling kind of everything, I'm going to, I'm going to share a, a tip that might be kind of radical and I want you guys to consider downgrading your car. And the reason for that is because the average monthly car payment is 600 to $800 a month. Now, obviously you're saving for IVF. You're poten potentially going to have a little one soon. You're like, but I'm going to need a bigger car. We'll get there. But when it comes to really getting radical about saving for IVF, like your car payment is one of the biggest expenses that you have. And you could actually sell that, take the money that you get from selling that vehicle and downgrading to just a used vehicle that's only a few years old and pay cash for it. So then you're essentially getting rid of that monthly payment altogether. And you can throw that towards your IVF treatments. That's an awesome idea. I, I yeah. love that idea too. We actually also did that too. <laughs> oh, did yeah, you? I mean, and, yeah. and we have That's a 15 awesome. year old paid for a car and I'm like, I never want a car payment ever again. No. But I drive, I drive a $9,000 Toyota Corolla that's 2014. I think it's 2014 or 2014 or 2015. And like we paid cash for it and it was $8,000 and it's a great car, but yeah. that's, we don't have an $800 a month car payment. So again, yeah. it's like, obviously if you want a child, right. You want to have a baby, like yeah. this, these are things that you're willing to do because right. you know, this is and a bigger, temporary, right? right. I think that's the other thing is people feel like, oh my gosh, you know, I, I don't want to part with my car or whatever. And it depends on how big your, you know, desire is that, that where the weight is of, yes you know, the motivation, I guess. And, yeah. and again, it's temporary. You just know, okay, once we get there, then this will pass and we'll kind of move on to the next. But I think that's a really great tip to like move the needle pretty quickly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, imagine you're throwing six to $800 a month towards paying off debt or towards another savings goal. It's going to start to accrue really, really quickly. And it's also fun to watch that happen. Like once you make yeah. that decision of, I don't want a monthly car payment. Like I want to put this towards IVF. Then you're just going to do it. You kind of just decide and you make it happen. And then you are so happy driving your older car yeah. that has no car payment. <laughs> right. For sure. Yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. So, um, so those are just some of the ideas about selling things. Right. And obviously some of the next things that I'm going to share are probably things that you may have thought of, but I'm kind of mm -hmm. going to 
there's kind of a cluster of things. And we're going to, now that we've kind of looked at our budget, we've sold some things, we also have to really increase our income because oftentimes for a lot of people, it's not so much that we have a spending problem. It's that we have an income problem. Mm -hmm. And so the first thing that you could do is consider like looking for overtime. So if you're in a position where you're able to take on, you know, overtime in your career or your job, or maybe you can take on more like contract work through the position that you currently have, um, or consider, are you up for a raise? Like, do you bring a lot of value? you to your company can you level up your skill set so that you can actually ask for a raise um, and increase your earnings that way as well it's obviously one of the easiest ways because you're already in that position you don't have to like start anything differently like a side hustle or a part-time job or anything like that right awesome. yeah so <laughs> sorry I'm always giving I'm giving you guys like a second to chime in after everyone that I share oh, so I, I, I just like think my wheels are turning of like that's again, a lot of these things that you seem so basic, but you wouldn't really think about. And, you know, why not go and, and say, you know, I think I'm deserving of this promotion or raise right now. And, or, you know, I want to, I'm willing and able to take on more time. Yeah. yeah. And just, just be a bigger asset to your company. And by doing that, you're going to actually be able to leverage your income further by making more money. So that's just a cool thing that you could do. And it's not, not only going to help you with that savings goal for IVF, but also really help you to just like increase your earnings long-term. Right. So maybe you can't get overtime or maybe you, you know, you, you just got a raise. So what are some other things that we can do to increase our income? Well, obviously a part-time job, um, when we were getting out of debt, my husband delivered pizzas on the weekends and that brought us almost $2,000 extra per month. But, you know, we live in a gig economy. So there are a lot of opportunities like, you know, um, uh, Uber and Lyft and DoorDash and all these different ones that are like a flexible part-time job, you yeah. know, something that you can kind of do when you're able to versus being locked into a part-time job that has, you know, set hours. Um, yeah. And then, you know, you could also start a side hustle. So I always tell people, do you have a skill that you current, like, is there a skill that you have currently that you can really leverage like as a side hustle? Good example. Um, I know a girl who's a business owner who just like loved making soap and she'd give soap to her friends. And then eventually she started a business making soap. And that was just something that like, she already had that skill and then was yeah. able to kind of monetize that. Right. Or maybe you um, have another friend that through COVID, she used to be a voice, um, a voice coach. So she just started, she's a wedding planner and she started leveraging that and teaching voice lessons again, even though she's a wedding planner, she's in a completely different career field to make money right yeah. so like what skills do you have currently some things that come easy to you that you could potentially teach or coach on and consider that maybe you consult do a couple coaching hours a week and you can essentially bring in another thousand bucks a month fifteen hundred dollars a month just with a couple hours a week yeah so that's great i think a good way to do that is kind of pull your family and friends around you and ask them like what do you think that i'm good at you know what do you how do you see me what do you think that i would be a benefit to other people because sometimes we don't see it in ourselves so clearly you mm -hmm. know because we're like eh, I don't know we have that imposter syndrome or whatever it may be and others can see it way more clearly than we can absolutely yeah and then of course like 
No, we, we just live in the nature of, or in the, in the society that just everybody has a side hustle too. You know, you can have, you can be a blogger and do affiliate marketing, or, you know, you can try to think of like, just have a side business. You'd be a do photography on the side, or obviously that has a little bit more of an investment, but you guys kind of get where I'm going with this. Yeah. You know, what other opportunities are there? And of course, there's so many opportunities to make money online and make money from home now as well. So doing online customer service, which is a part-time job, obviously, but like, just don't close yourself off to those potential part-time opportunities that may not be like your main source of income, but that are really going to help you to kind of bring in like a few hundred dollars here and there, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I was just going to say my first few rounds of IVF, and I know a lot of, a lot of other girls in the community did this. Um, there's a campaign website called bonfire and you can just make t-shirts and yeah. they do all the design and shipping and returns and everything for you. But it, it was fun. Actually, I created these really fun shirts and I just promoted them and that's all I did. And I got a few hundred dollars just like that. And it's just like a fun way. And it wasn't stressful. Like they literally take care of everything and then give you a percentage, but I mean, it was an easy, fun way to make a few hundred dollars and people wear your shirts. And then like, it's almost like advertisement. Like they're saying like, oh yeah, I got it from so-and-so's bonfire, you know? Um, yeah. So I just wanted to add that in. Cause I feel like that was a fun way for me to kind of make a little extra money on the side as well. Well, that actually brings me to kind of my next way to save for IVF is doing <laughs> fundraisers like that. So yeah. bonfire was already on my list. Um, oh. you um, you know, if you have any kind of art skills or design skills, you, like you could also sell merch, like actual, um, not just t-shirts, but like mugs and bags and other, and home, home decor and furniture and things like that through like Amazon merch. Um, Amazon doesn't have, Amazon merch doesn't have the furniture. That's, I'm thinking of society six. So you could do society six, you could do Amazon merch. You could do, um, I think it's Printful, which is another like drop shipping print on demand company where they kind of take care of everything for you. And then obviously bonfire. And a lot of people know bonfire. You generally have a higher, um, profit margin with bonfire. So that's the one that I suggest. And it's just really easy. Like maybe you have a graphic design friend that can create a beautiful design for your t-shirt and just say, Hey family, Hey community. Like, you know, we're saving for IVF. This is something that we, you know, are really working towards. Here's a beautiful design. If you, you know, if you would like to contribute, you also get this awesome shirt as well. And that's a really cool way um, as one fundraiser that you can do, because I know, I know, um, a lot of people talk about crowdfunding and I did want to touch on that. Cause I know, you know, Elizabeth and I were like, you know, crowdfunding is a little bit or IVF is very personal, right? It's very intimate. So not everybody's going to be willing to want to go the kind of go fund me route, yeah. but maybe doing the bonfire route is an opportunity to share that with your community, but also feel like people are getting something in return for, you know, making that donation, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Right. Absolutely. Another fun thing that I do see a lot um, in the community is people will buy a puzzle and kind of sell the puzzle pieces and then they'll put the puzzle together. Um, and that's a fun way to kind of just like, okay, you know, I'm selling my puzzle pieces for $5 or $10 and your family and your friends on Facebook or Instagram or wherever you're promoting it, will buy a puzzle piece. You put the puzzle. A lot of people are doing like um, a cute one for their nursery, say in the future, and then they'll put it up and be like, you know, well, this helped us you know, yeah. Get, yeah. get to this point. So I, I think that's a fun way to do it too. 
Well, and it can, and it can be something that's really fun, right? Like actually, as you were saying that I um, had an idea of like, bring back the ice bucket challenge and say, Hey, have a party, (laughs) have a party. Well, when it's safe to um, bring everybody together and say, okay, if we reach this goal, like, you know, we'll do an ice bucket challenge or something, or maybe sell raffle tickets for like pieing somebody in the face. I don't know. It doesn't have to be this like daunting, scary thing. You can make it really fun. And I think by bringing people together in that way they'll be really excited not only to help support you in that but it just it'll be very memorable too yeah I think so too and I think you know people underestimate other people and how much they want to give and help right? right and so I think again it's just about asking and putting it out there and putting it out to the universe that this is the goal that we're trying to do and if you ask you will receive right so mm-hmm. yeah and everybody's so creative. I mean, Kelsey is a perfect example. I can go on and on about how creative she is in so many ways, but uh, so many women out there are. Yeah. And I mean, I actually had a friend who does like hand lettering and when she was, this is a little bit different, they were doing it for their adoption. And she said, okay, one print is a hundred dollars or something like that. And you get to choose, you know, she had different like, um, design aspects of like what you could choose and then she would deliver it and it was like an 11 by 13 and that was really neat because she was providing like a handmade you know piece of art for this person and then also being able to save for their adoption so again that's leveraging the skill that she already had right Right. yeah um but but one thing I also wanted to mention kind of back to what you're saying about using the people in your community and the people around you not using them but like you know leveraging that and getting everybody really excited is doing like an Instagram or a Facebook auction. And I've seen these where I'm sure you have a lot of amazing friends that would be willing to donate, you know, even businesses willing to donate products or services and you can host an auction online. So easy to do. People love auctions. Okay. And then it's so simple. All they have to do is just bid on the item that they want and you are getting that donation towards your IVF. Such a great idea. Kelsey, have you seen anybody do that? No, but I love that you brought that up because that will totally give someone an idea to do that. I think yeah. that's great. And yeah. I mean, imagine too, even if you get, you know, 10 to 15 items from local businesses and each item averages, you know, 40 to 50 bucks. I mean, that's several hundred dollars easily a thousand dollars that you can put towards IVF. So that's just something that doesn't really take a lot of, um, I mean, yes, you obviously have to pick up the items, but in terms of managing it online, doesn't really take a lot of time to do that. Um, so, so obviously I touched on GoFundMe a little bit. That's obviously something that's very personalized. Some people do that, but maybe, maybe you don't feel quite comfortable doing the GoFundMe thing, but maybe you just reach out to your family and just say, Hey, this is kind of what we're doing. And back to what you guys were saying about like, people are so willing to help. They're so generous. They want to support you. So I always recommend just like letting them just putting it out there and kind of seeing what comes back to you in the universe. so to speak. Yeah, definitely. I love that. It is hard to like kind of get up that courage, but you know, you, like you said, you're, you would be surprised how often people want to help you, you know, but yeah, yeah, that's great. But also how many people have also been through this? Like I can think mm-hmm. of half a dozen friends off the top of my head that have had some kind of fertility journey. Like it's, it's not, it's not an isolated thing. And so people definitely want to support you because likely they have been touched by someone who's either themselves who've gone through that or someone that they know that they are really close to. Um, so with that, that kind of leads me into the idea of like IVF grants and scholarships. And Kelsey, mm-hmm. you can speak to this if you want as well. Um, simply now, I found a really great article from Fertility 
IQ that actually mm -hmm. rounds up a ton of grants and scholarships that you can apply for. Now, some are obviously income-based, but then some are just open to just everybody, anybody and everybody applying who is of need. And so that might also be something where you can check that link out, or you can even ask your clinic specifically and see if they have any, um, any grants or scholarships directly through them as well. Yeah, and that yeah. brings up a great point too. Oh, sorry, Kelsey, about your um, clinics is that they often will um, provide a discount too if you let them know that you're having some sort of financial hardship. But yeah. again, they won't offer it up unless you ask to totally. have a conversation. But um, as well as cash discounts, you know, if you don't have yes. insurance helping yeah. you. Yep. And that's, I'm so glad that you brought that up, Elizabeth, because I know through my experience of, um, we got out of debt and then we started to sort of self-insure through a lot of our different, um, like health insurance and dental insurance and things. And I've noticed that, you know, by doing that, we're actually able to get a lot of huge cash discounts when we do have, you know, procedures performed at these various offices because, you know, they don't have to deal with the insurance companies. Yeah. And so that's been a huge benefit. So there is absolutely no shame in just asking what the options are. Hey, do right. you offer a cash discount if we pay in full? And you'll be, you'll be very surprised. I mean, some of the doctor's offices that I go to, like I can get up to a 20% cash discount wow. depending on obviously what it is. And, and with IVF, I mean, that's a lot of money that we're talking about. If, and I'm not saying it would be that much, but even a 5% discount or a 2% anything is going to help you save a little bit of money. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to kind of add too, um, for medicine, because a lot of people will, there are different pharmacies out there, um, that are cheaper, you know, discount pharmacies and different places where you can get your IVF meds and they will, um, I just saw not too recently. Um, I had to add like a human growth hormone in, and I think it was like, I forget for how many bottles, either two or three, it was like $1,200. Um, and I just saw recently, like some girl put out there that they had like a $500 off coupon and I'm not, not sure on how many that was, but, and I'm not sure if it was the manufacturer or what, but yeah, um, I say that some, even some of the companies out there are doing discounts for medicine as well to help. So that's something to look into as well. Absolutely. Yeah, have you, I've seen this a few times with my own clients that they, for somebody who's, you know, already bought their med meds and then end up not needing them or get a different diagnosis or end up pregnant or whatever, they like trade out their medication. Yeah, donate, yeah. Mm -hmm, totally. So also put that out there too, to your community to say, Hey, does anyone have any leftover drugs that I can use? Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Because we do know that the majority of the protocols are, you know, within a range of, you know, the same drugs essentially. Um, yeah. consult your doctor about all of that, but, um, it happens all the time. Yeah. That's, that's actually a really good tip. <laughs> it's like, put your feelers out there. It's amazing when you start to look for opportunities of, of not just the money coming your way, but also yeah. these other opportunities of connecting with other women and like, Hey, you know, I have these leftover meds that you might, that yeah. you might need, might be able to use. But so all of the things that I mentioned kind of really work in tandem, right? Like we're, we're looking at the budget, we're scaling back, but we're also increasing our income. We're, we're connecting with our family and our friends, and we're seeing how we can, you know, do some fun things. Um, then we are, we're applying for grants and scholarships. So all of this kind of works together to be able to save for IVF very quickly. Now, obviously there might be a point where you find that, Hey, I just, we've got like $2,000 left or $5,000 left. And 
you can actually go to your clinic or, you know, wherever you're having your treatments done and simply just say, Hey, do you offer a payment plan? Because not only will you be able to obviously save a certain amount, but there might just be a little bit that you can't quite get right. Or a little bit unexpected that you weren't anticipating. So say, Hey, do you offer a payment plan for this amount? And then because you've done all those other things, like crazy, like sell your car, you have that cash in hand every single month that you can apply towards that payment without having to go into debt or to take out a loan or anything for that as well. That's another great idea. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, of course. So those are all of my tips. Those are all of my, all of the things, but I definitely just want people to know that like it is possible. We just have to be willing to kind of see the the potential out there and, um, and not only feel like we have to just do the, go the one route of like taking out massive loans. Cause I never, I never want people to go further into debt. I mean, you're already in a situation where it's very emotional and it's a difficult time and there's a lot of stress involved and a lot of variables, like let's make it a little bit easier by being able to cash flow that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. How often do you suggest visiting your budget? Is it like a twice a week thing? Is it a once a week with your partner to kind of look at everything once a month? Like what, what do you think is a good gauge so that you stay on top of it and you are really close to the money that you're spending and all that kind of stuff? Mm -hmm. Well, I would recommend what you always should have a date with your budget every single month, because depending on what's kind of coming up for the following month, like there are going to be some expenses that are going to vary. Um, but variability with your budget is kind of like, it can be detrimental because then you don't know where your money is going. Right. We try to keep the budget very simple and try to keep a lot of those expenses pretty, you know, pretty much the same every single month. You know, you've got your gas and your food and your electric and your cell phone and and, and all of those things, but too much variability can kind of get the, the budget kind of, um, yeah, just, it won't be as fluid and as easy to manage. So definitely have a date with your budget every single month to kind of plan for the following month. But I always tell people like, you need to look at your bank accounts regularly. You need to look at your budget regularly, whether that's just like once a week, because again, if you don't have any light on it and you don't know what's going on, you know, something could have happened in the bank account where you could have had a fraudulent, um, fraudulent, what am I trying to say? Yeah. What's the that's word good. for it? Yeah, activity, yeah. yeah. yeah activity, <laughs> exactly. And then you, next thing you know, you thought you had $800 more in your account than you do. And yeah. you've overdrafted for all these different things. So it's just important to kind of be on top of it, at least look at it a couple times. I look at my bank account and my budget pretty much every single day, just kind of because I can actually go in with my budget and I can um, pull the expense from my bank account and, and put it right in the line item. It's like an automated online. Um, I use every dollar. And so I can kind of see oh man, we've spent a lot on food this month or eating out. Like we kind of need to, we're almost to that threshold. We kind of need to scale that back a little bit. So, but again, everybody has to, the the budget is very personalized, very individualized, and you kind of just have to figure out what works best for you. Yeah. I know something that we kind of worked on too, was I was always one that if I spent on a credit card, I paid it off in full every month. My husband was different, not like that. And (laughs) um, so when we got together, we I really was like, we need to kind of, I mean, I know building your credit's important, but also when you're trying to save for something or kind of streamline things, shutting down some of those cards or freezing them so that you don't necessarily lose your credit was really important because you'd be so surprised on the interest rates of, even if you're paying down your monthly, you know, your minimum monthly, you're still paying so much in interest. And I think that's another like big expense that people don't realize when they're putting thinking, I'm just going to put it on a credit card. Well, you're actually paying so much more when you do that 
rather than just trying to like squash that as much as possible and then start paying cash as much as possible. Yeah. And I don't remember what this statistic is, but like, I think it's something maybe 60, 70% of people say that they're going to like pay off their credit card every single month. And then they actually don't. And then they find themselves in mass quantities of credit card debt and they have multiple credit cards because they're trying to balance. So it's definitely a very slippery slope, especially when we're not taught personal finance. We're not taught how to manage our money in our formative years generally, unless you had a really good example. And so like I was $8,000 in credit card debt by 22. Cause I've just kept spending thinking like that was the only way that I was able to keep up with all the credit cards was to spend more on credit oh cards God. and take yeah. out more credit cards. And then it's like yeah. this vicious cycle. So if you, if you don't feel good about doing that every month and being diligent about that, um, it can get away from you very, very quickly. So fun fact, I'm 32. I've never had a credit card. I Yay. will not buy anything that I cannot afford. So I've never had a credit card. Um, and I just, I know, I still think that's crazy to say, because I'm just like, that how, is crazy. how have I lived this long? <laughs> yeah. I love You're a unicorn. That. You're a like, unicorn. <laughs> that, yeah, you are a unicorn. And that is like so freeing. I can't even imagine that. Like, yeah. I've never had one. So yeah, I've had to build my credit in other ways. Um, but it, so that was difficult. Um, but I just, I, I know that I can kind of get carried away with spending sometimes. So I just like, I was like, if I can't afford it, then I'm not going to have it. That's just how, you know, I was just going to say, so now is it like a thing for you that you just, that you won't do it? Cause you're like, I've gone this far. I'm not going to get one or. I, I mean, if I really needed one now, I know, um, I think I've just taught myself, you know, that like, if, you know, I've taught myself to basically hold back if it's really unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't see myself needing one, but we're also just in such a different place than I was growing up when I did need one. So, um, I, I, I'm not opposed to getting one now. I just, I don't, I don't really need it either. You know, like my husband has one. So if I'm like, Oh, I need this, I'll just like grab his, but, yeah. um, uh, yeah, it's just crazy to say that I'm that 32. Never had one, I love so. that. But, but that's, yeah, that's really important though. I'm glad you brought that up because so many people think that you need to have a credit card and you have to live with some kind of debt. And that's just, it's not true. There are other ways that you can, yeah. um, you can build your credit. And what's really interesting about credit too, is like, it's created by the credit card companies. Like the credit score was created by the yeah. credit card companies. So people think that, oh, well, the only way to live is by, you know, focusing on this credit score. It's like, but no, you can actually buy a house just by having, you know, an underwriter look through and comb through all of your financial data and making sure that you have those metrics in place to be able to afford a home. But it's just that we, we live in that society of consumption and debt. And that's just, it's thrown at us. I I mean, I can't tell you, I still get credit card offers all the time in my mailbox. And I'm like, they don't know clearly that I haven't had a credit card since I was 27. And for whatever (laughs) reason, I'm still getting offers you know but yeah yeah they're after you yeah (laughs) so and I also just wanted to kind of circle back to the fact that IVF and fertility for example for in general is so stressful right and finances is so stressful so combining those two together if you could try to at least streamline the finances because you can have some control around that whereas the fertility Mm -hmm. stuff is really for the most part out of our control you would be so much better off to kind of eliminate one thing. Kelsey knows I always coach on self-preservation. Like what do we need to eliminate to preserve our, our stress level and ourselves going through this fertility journey. And if we can limit that, the spending and rise up your savings. Yeah. 
then you're going to have a much better rate too of chances of getting pregnant because you're not having that day-to-day conversation of the stress all the time of, oh my God, how are we going to pay for this? We can't afford this to Joanne's you know, point. Let's reframe that and just go into it with a whole different perspective and know that you guys as a couple can achieve this and you mm-hmm. will achieve it. And you just got to really make a commitment to doing it, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and Elizabeth, I did want to mention one more thing um, that I think you and I had talked about a little bit and the question of people asking, Hey, like, how can I save for IVF while I'm trying to get out of debt? Cause I didn't, I don't think we really touched on that. And so I always suggest to people, like if they're saving for a huge life event like this, that's what it is. Like if there's illness or if there's, you know, you're working on fertility or something major, then you want to pause the debt snowball. You want to pause and simply pay the minimums on all of your debts and really throw everything that you possibly can at this savings goal of, you know, um, IVF and, and going through fertility treatments and all of that so that you don't accrue more debt long-term, you know, because that's going to stress you out even more because, you know, and then once you kind of have all of these nice habits and money behaviors in place from saving, you can take all of the things that we talked about today and then really start to get, you know, throw all that towards your debt and be able to pay your debt off as well. So that's another great tip. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate you taking the time. You know, the financial burden is one of the biggest things in this community. So I just really appreciate all your tips and tricks today. And I hope this episode finds you well today and you, you know, took something from it. So thank you again, Joanne. Um, If, where can people find you if they want? Yeah. So my website is uh, joannewetzelcoaching.com. Uh, people can also find me on Instagram um, at joannewetzelcoaching, or I'm also on YouTube and I do a lot of money content. So if you want more help with budgeting or paying off debt or saving any of those things, you can find me over on YouTube under Joanne Wetzel as well. Awesome. That's great. Thank, thank you. So you. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for having me. Have a beautiful day. Thanks for listening to the Pretty Little Tribe podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Pretty Little Tribe. And if you related to this episode, take a screenshot and hashtag Pretty Little Tribe because we want to see those in our DMs. So then we can share them on our story too and give you some love back. Of course, if you have a topic idea or want to be on the podcast, email us at prettylittletribe at gmail.com. Also, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Thanks again for joining your tribe today. We'll see you next time. 